Welcome back to Passion Reflex. I'm your host, Demi D. In today's topic, we are talking about how making new habits can help you feel more refreshed. Thank you so much for listening to my last episode titled, What Does Free Time Mean to You? And if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I appreciate you tuning in when you do. This is a popular topic that I was so ready to dive into. I don't know about y'all, but I have struggled with getting good rest or am able to get tons of sleep, but still don't feel ready to start the day. I know we are creatures of habit, so once we do find things that work for us, we can try our best to stick with that routine. Everyone is different, so hopefully some of these tips can help you or someone you know get better sleep. On a nightly basis, if you are like myself, you've had trouble going to sleep or get plenty of sleep and still don't feel energized, a great way to make sure you are covering all your bases is to talk to your doctor and see if there are any specific reasons why you aren't getting enough sleep or if there is something throwing off your energy levels. I started my digging by reading an article by the National Sleep Foundation titled Healthy Sleep Tips. It lists 11 tips to help you get a better night's rest. I read number one and already knew I was messing up. (laughs) Number one is sticking to a sleep schedule. It states, this helps to set your body's clock to help you fall asleep. Timing seven to eight hours before you have to wake up and rush out the door. You want to make sure you have enough time to get ready, get everything situated, even just mentally preparing yourself for the day and basically subtract that with the seven, eight hours that you need to go to sleep. And if you are someone such as myself that does have a sporadic work schedule, it is good to just kind of make sure that your earliest shift, you do feel rested, especially if you have an early shift pretty often. It is a good idea to just try to wake up in time to where you have seven to eight hours of sleep before that work shift and kind of time it that way does help for you to make sure that you are getting enough sleep but oversleeping is something that can also make you tired so let's try not doing that. Number two is practicing a relaxing bedtime ritual. This can be as simple as turning down or completely turning off the lights. Our body's natural reaction is to stay alert and awake when the lights are on. So making sure that at the same time, every single night you are trying to turn off the lights, including the light from your phone. I know it is insanely hard to just act like your phone doesn't exist, but it is something that has tremendously helped me with alerting my body that it is time to relax, unwind, and just basically stop stimulating my brain. As far as things that you can do as alternatives, there are audiobooks, there are podcasts, there are tons of things that you can do to kind of just have that sound in the background, but not necessarily having that light hit your face and keep you awake. Now, in terms of doing this, I know there are um, even like white noise apps, stuff like that, that can help you just still have something going on in the background and not completely shutting everything off. And it does help to wean myself off my phone. I love listening to podcasts and different things that are just going on in the background versus just completely turning off the lights and shutting everything off. So that is something that you could possibly try. Number three is avoiding naps. If you have trouble sleeping, if you are used to taking naps, but have trouble winding down and falling asleep, it is shown that eliminating your naps can, of course, help you feel more tired and ready to go to sleep at a better time or faster than you would if you took a nap during the day. 
I personally feel like I'm more tired and groggy after taking naps. I've never been someone, even as a kid, that enjoyed taking naps. So this right here was pretty easy for me. Number four is exercise daily. Even light exercise is better than none at all. Walking or moving around for 30 minutes per day is a great way to gradually work for in your way to just be more active if you aren't already. When you use more energy, you're physically able to relax more when it's time for bed. Number five, evaluate your room. This article states that having your room between 60 to 67 degrees can help you fall asleep. Now, living in Texas heat, it is incredibly expensive to keep the temperature between 60 to 67 degrees during the day. So in terms of doing it at night, it's a little bit more realistic. I do find that in terms of having the warmth around me in that type of environment, it makes me way relaxed and actually ready to go to sleep. When I was growing up, we didn't have the leisure of being able to just lower the AC. We had like a set temperature and that was it. Like it stayed at that set temperature during the day, during the night, whatever. So I am very thankful that I was able to try this out and see what had happened. And doing this, it did help me move to my bed lot quicker. Usually I do take my time and I just kind of go at my own pace, but I did get cold and because I was so used to growing up without having the AC on full blast, um, I get cold quicker. So this actually did help me get to my bed quicker, get underneath my covers, get comfortable, and go to sleep faster. So this one was really interesting. It says um, noises in the room are recommended to either be shut off or quieted down. Although for myself, I am soothed by the sound of the AC, the fan. So it was a little bit different for me. Um, in the country, we do have um, these animals called katydids. And living in the country, it is um, just a normal thing, a normal animal that's out here. But they are pretty noisy. If you can imagine, like, crickets, but just, like, times 10. They're pretty loud. And the AC powers over that noise at night. So thanks to the AC, I am totally fine with being able to go to sleep um, even though they're literally right on my window and right outside. So I get super um, relaxed in terms of having those types of noise around me. And the other recommendation was blacked out curtains, eye shades, using white noise, um, anything like that as far as sh just helping to shut everything out and just help you relax a little bit more to get to sleep. Number six is sleep on a comfortable mattress and pillows. Recently, I went on a small vacation with my husband and we went to this hotel and each side of the bed, my side and his side had three pillows. And my first initial reaction was to be like, you know what, I'm going to eliminate these two. I only need one. But instead, I laid down first and oh my gosh, these pillows were so fluffy and so comfortable. I probably got the best sleep in that hotel than I did before that at my house. So that did help me change the pace of what I wanted to do for myself and for my husband to kind of just get to bed at a more just relaxed, in a more relaxed way because it we associated with that vacation too. And I think that is having a big deal. I made a big deal with us just having pretty much 
a vacation mindset of not being like, okay, we got to do this tomorrow, this tomorrow, this tomorrow, as far as errands and stuff like that go. Sometimes life gets the best of you and kind of just makes you in the cycle, kind of like a hamster wheel. And you're like, okay, this is what we got to do. This is what we got to do. You got to wake up at this time. And instead, while we were on vacation, we were able to kind of just do everything at our own pace and not feel like we have, like we're pressed for time. Like, we had all these things to do. It was really just whatever we wanted to do the next day we were able to do. As far as allergens, it says that can interfere with settling down from the day. So making sure allergies such as dust are kept up with, you know, it is something that we don't think about as far as when we clean, we're not like, oh yeah, I'm going to dust so I can get better sleep. But as far as what your allergies are, dust is one of mine. So that is something that can make a huge difference as far as going to sleep and staying asleep as well. Number seven, using bright light can help your circadian rhythm. This explains that using bright light in the morning and little to no light in the evening can help you keep your internal clock in check. So in terms of like how you can kind of just manage doing this, uh, going, waking up and going outside to have your cup of coffee or just opening up all your blinds in the morning, that within itself can help you just wake up and feel a little bit more energized. As far as at night, it'll be the exact opposite. You can go ahead and get those blacked out curtains going, or you can close those blinds and dim the light, whatever it is. And that also just helps to kind of remind your body, hey, it's already time to wind down. Let's go ahead and do that. Number eight is avoiding alcohol, cigarettes, having heavy meals. And this right here is one of my guilty pleasures when it is late at night. I'm craving cereal. I'm craving ice cream. I'm craving having late meals. Sometimes I'm not hungry right at five. So I'm just like, Hey, why not wait till nine or 10 making meals at home sometimes takes longer than usual. Um, as far as how long it should take, sometimes I'm not done with dinner because I started late. I'm not done with dinner until about 10. So that is something that does take a few more steps to just make sure that I'm done with everything early in the day. That way, whenever I do want to eat, it is at a reasonable time. Our digestive system does work and our body works when we are asleep. So having your whole body just like work harder is going to keep you awake. So that does make sense to me. But as far as food truly being our fuel, it can throw off our relaxation because it's just going to give you energy and make you want to stay awake. Number nine is winding down. Having a relaxing activity such as reading can help shut off your brain when it's time to go to bed. Having simple actions related to go to bed can connect the two together. That way, repeating this every night can train your brain to start winding down for the day. Although us millennials do a lot more reading online on our phone than it usually is in a tangible form, it is best to at least try to do something that is not using any technology. I know that's crazy that that sounds. Whether it's painting, drawing, reading, a tangible book, stuff like that is going to be a lot more receptive to having a relaxation just a whole relaxation mood to that like you're not going to feel as if you want to just keep going and going and going all night you're going to get to a point where you're like all right that's it lights out number 10 if you can't sleep go into another room and do something relaxing until you feel tired 
This means leaving work materials and computer away from your bed and using it only for sleep and sex. Yes, this article does say that. To strengthen the association between bed and sleep, if an associate a particular activity or item with anxiety about sleeping omit from your bedtime routine. So in other words, when we associate different things, we are like, okay, this is that and this is that. But when we're doing all these different things and associate them together, it's very hard to understand and your brain to depict, okay, this is for going to sleep. This is for working. This is for that. So yes, it does say that using your bed for associating that with just sleep and sex does make a big difference as far as for myself, as disgusting as it sounds, I have a really guilty pleasure when it comes to eating in bed. So that is something that is marked off the list of things that I can't do. Going to another room or going to another area in the house is way better than associating going to bed and being like, oh yeah, cool. And I can have like popcorn and grapes and different things that I love to eat. So that did make a lot of sense and is very hard, but is good to do. (laughs) Number 11 is if you're still having problems sleeping, speak to a professional and keep a sleep diary that can help you better record your common patterns or issues with your sleep or sleeping habits. If you're like myself, then you have linked with going to bed is um, starting to evaluate my day and things that I need to worry about. Um, In terms of another article that does kind of go over a couple different things as far as what we do, what some of us do when we go to shut our eyes is worrying. So this article is by the helpguide.org titled How to Stop Worrying. It lists ways that we can help treat ourselves from anxieties that we may face day to day. And again, it is crucial to seek help from professionals, especially if you're already having, if if you've already tried these tips and you're already uh, having more, either more problems or having the same amount of problems sleeping and or having these anxieties, it is best to definitely speak to a professional about this. Now, you may or may not have heard this before. The first tip is creating a worry period. Now, choosing a specific time of the day, whatever works for you, whatever is best for you as far as 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3.23, and making sure that mentally you just let it all out. Any worries that you have on your mind, anything that you're anxious about. And then later on in the day, if anything pops in your head, you can go ahead and make note of it. You can write it down. And that will go ahead and start your worry list. Now, as far as what your worry list is, it says that if you wrote these thoughts down and they're still bothering you, and allow yourself to worry about them, but only for the amount of time that you specified for your worry period. As you examine your worries in this way, you'll often find it easier to develop a more balanced perspective. If your worries don't seem important any more simply, you can cut out your worry period short and enjoy the rest of your day. Number two is challenge your anxious thoughts. You may overestimate the possibility that things will turn out badly. Jump immediately to worst case scenarios or treat every anxious thought as if it were a fact. I'm so guilty of this. You may also discredit your own ability to handle life's problems, assuming you'll fall apart at the sign of trouble. These types of thoughts are known as cognitive distortions and they include now 
cognitive distortions, this was really something that caught my eye in terms of what they listed. And these are just examples. All of these are just ways of ex uh, explaining if you are someone that worries a lot or is, again, very anxious, such as myself. These thoughts might roll in your head right before you go to bed and it's the last thing that you are like having on your mind. They're super annoying, but again, it's just something that is completely natural and sometimes, sadly, it is normal. So I'm going to go ahead and let y'all know that a lot of these are so relatable to myself, so don't feel bad if it is something that these types of thoughts roll into your head right before bed or even throughout the day. All or nothing thinking. If everything, an example is, if everything is not perfect, I'm a total failure. Now, all or nothing is something that is very over the top and to ourselves it's not. But when we hear maybe a friend or family member say things like this, we're like, oh my gosh, don't say that. And that is something that we should do is be our own best friend or our own friend and be there for ourselves as well, just as much as we are for other people and be like, you know what, this can't even be a fact right now because it's not you know, I'm, this is not true and this is not going to be something that is holding truth to me. Overgeneralization is another one. If I didn't get hired for the job, I'll never get the job. That is, I mean, very self-explanatory. It's just basically making everything more so against yourself and or just building it up and making it seem like everything is going to be what this one situation was. Focusing on the negatives while filtering out the positives. Their example is, I got the last question on the test wrong. I'm an idiot. So, you know, obviously being more positive or trying to be more positive is going to discredit these types of thoughts. Coming up with reasons why positive events don't count. The example is, I didn't I did well on the presentation, but that was just dumb luck. Now, making sure that when anything does happen that is positive in our life, we do appreciate it because time is precious and it is easy to overlook these things or maybe even just discredit how important and how appreciative we are. It's really uh, something that takes hold of, hold of us when we kind of just take these things as if they aren't going to have any positive impact on us. So it is good to just make sure that even though it is something that you might be personally doing as far as how impactful it is, that you are making sure that you appreciate your own willpower, your own actions as well. Making negative interpretations without actual evidence example is, I can tell she secretly hates me. This is such a thought that I'm not going to be judging on when it comes to like who or what this sounds like, but I can just say it does sound like myself when it comes to overanalyzing thoughts and being like, oh, I think I know this. And it's like, no, if you think you know, you probably don't know it because you're just examining and you're just observing this from your point of view. And usually that's very a very, it's just a very vague way of interpreting things. Expecting the worst case scenario to happen. The example is the pilot said, we're in for some, t uh, we're in for some turbulence, the plane's going to crash. 
that is something that because of just different life occurrences that have occurred in my life, I am the first to be thinking the worst case scenario. So these are just a couple of examples of thoughts that we may have and also just in terms of what it is called, it basically is just different types of cognitive distortions and that is definitely not healthy for us. But one of the things that they do say is how to challenge these thoughts during your worry period. It is important that you challenge your negative thoughts by asking yourself, what's the evidence that this is true? If they're more positive, realistic way of looking at the situation, what the probability that I'm scared of what actually will happen? If the probability is low, what are some more likely outcomes? Is the thought helpful? How will worrying about it help me and how will it hurt me? What would I say if a friend said this and had this worry? So distinguishing between solvable and unsolvable worries. Research has shown, it states, research has shown that while you're worrying, you temporarily feel less anxious. Running over the problem in your head distracts you from your emotions and makes you feel like you're getting something accomplished. But worrying and problem solving are two very different things. It says problem solving involves evaluating a situation, coming up with a concrete with concrete steps for dealing with it, and then putting the plan into action. Worrying, on the other hand, rarely leads to solutions. No matter how much time you've spent dwelling on worst case scenarios, you are no more prepared to deal with them should they actually happen. Productive solvable worries include worries that can be put into action right away. So in terms of the difference between Productive, solvable, and unproductive worries are unsolvable worries that are unable to be handled because they either haven't happened yet or possibly are never going to happen. So in terms of fears, in terms of things that are just not even in front of us and aren't even on our plate metaphorically, it's just we have to make sure that we think with a clear mindset or as much as we can and not put these types of thoughts or not allow these types of thoughts to come across. And it's just human to sometimes not have so much of an ego and think very little of ourselves, but it's not healthy at the same time to do that. So as this um, article does state, focusing on worst case scenarios will only keep you from enjoying the good things you have in the present. I really love that quote. And it's very true when we kind of just have all these types of distractions in our life, we end up later on possibly thinking back at these moments in our life and we're like, man, like, why didn't I appreciate the time that I had then? Why was I distracted? What was going on with me? Why didn't I understand? And it kind of just is a whole you know, trifecta where we're worrying about something that hasn't happened yet and later on we're worrying about why we worried. You know, so it's just very important to just try to keep our worrying and our anxieties very low. So tuning in to our emotions, it says, worrying about uncertainty is often a way to avoid unpleasant emotions. And by tuning in to your emotions, you can start to accept your feeling, even those that rare even those that are uncomfortable or don't make sense. 
Get up and get moving. Exercise is a natural and effective anti-anxiety treatment. It states because it realizes releases endorphins, which relieve tension and stress, boost energy, and enhance your sense of well-being. The tips that it has are take yoga or tai chi class by focusing your mind on your movements and breathing. Practicing yoga or tai chi helps keep your attention on the present to help clear your mind and lead to a relaxed state. Meditate. Meditation works by switching your focus from worrying about the future or dwelling on the past to what's happening now. You can choose an inexpensive smartphone app that can guide you through the meditation process or you can DM me to meet a dear friend of mine that leads a really amazing guided meditation. I still have yet to have the meditation with him. He's an amazing person and even just his whole entire aura is just extremely helpful and relaxing and very comforting and warm and I feel like any um, type of conversation I have with him it is always a productive one too. So you guys most definitely feel free to do that. DM me and let me know if you are interested and I can give you his info. Try deep breathing, calm your mind, and quiet your thoughts. And what this is um, stating is research has shown meditation, for example, can boost activity on the left side of the prefrontal cortex, the area of the brain responsible for the feeling of serenity and joy. The more you practice, the greater the anxiety relief you'll experience and the more control you'll start to feel over your thoughts and worries. Talk about your worries. Build a strong support system says know who to avoid when you're feeling anxious, practice mindfulness, acknowledge and observe your worries, let your worries go, stay focused on the present and repeat daily. Now, last but not least, it does have a really great way of explaining how you can practice deep breathing, which is a great way to even practice while you are already laying down in your bed under your covers and kind of just getting ready to fully relax your whole body and mind. Close your eyes, breathe through your nose, allow the air downward into your belly, let your abdomen expand fully, breathe out through your mouth, focus on an aspect of your breathing, focus on sensations of air flowing into the nostrils and out your mouth or your belly rising and falling as you inhale and exhale. If your mind starts to wander, return your focus to breathing with no judgment. Try to meditate three or four times per week for 10 minutes per day. Every minute counts. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Passion Reflex. I hope that this in any way helps you or someone that you know that struggles with either relaxation, worrying, falling asleep, getting good rest, any of the above. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you come back and listen to my next episode. If you'd like to send me any questions, comments, or suggestions on any upcoming episodes of Passion Reflex, please feel free to do so. My Instagram username is dee.demi, or please feel free to leave any voice messages here on Anchor.